today in between the game and life podcast i have coach larry kinley from prp pleasure ridge park a um, school up in louisville kentucky he comes highly regarded highly spoken of i'm excited to get down to sit down and uh, speak with him uh coach thank you for being here today thank you very much i'm excited yeah i love speaking to coaches because um i feel like there's two sides to a coach you have you have the personal side that falls in love with the game of basketball and then they have the um, missional side where they use the game to really transform lives and see the game as bigger than just actually the game. And they see the mission behind basketball. Um, so we're going to kind of walk through your playing experience and your coaching experience and, you know, some of the things that the guys have said about you. Um, so what is your first experience with the game of basketball? Like, when did you fall in love with the game? You know, it's really funny because the, the person that I, that got me to the first time I ever thought about playing basketball ever in my life. The guy that, that, that did that has no idea he did it. And I've never been able to find this guy. I was in middle school. I was in the seventh grade and we were at Conway middle school. And back then that you would, you know, when they played, everybody in the school would come, they would do during school day. So it was packed. So one day I'm walking out of the gym and this guy, his name, Marcellus Chambers was walking in front of me. He was our best basketball player at Conway. And I thought, you know, I'm as big as him. I ought to be able to play basketball. And that's how I started playing basketball right there. As crazy as that may sound, never touched a ball in my life till that, till the next day I went home and I was obsessed with it. So when you touched that ball, what did it feel like? <laughs> uh, you know, man, it was crazy. I mean, I had no idea. And this will tell you. So, you know, my family was all baseball. You know, my mom loved baseball. My dad loved boxing and uh, no one had anything about basketball. So I go to the library at Conway and I find a book and that's where I started. It had a, it was very diagrammed, uh, talked about where, how to, where to look at, how to hold your hands. And that's how I got started playing basketball. So you learned, you learned the game by picking up a book and just trying to study it, study it. Well, that's, that's where I started, you know, with it. And then I just played, you know, like everybody else, I played every day in the neighborhood, man, every single day. And then I was blessed, um, you know, a guy, our gym teacher at the time was a guy named Howard Wright, who we became great friends. And he had played with the Kentucky Colonels, played at Central High School here in Louisville. And uh, and he taught me some things. And then as I, you know, as I went through it, uh, when I got to Pleasure Ridge Park High School and made the team, my JV coach was a, a gentleman named Joe Burks. Uh, very strong Christian man, good guy, good role model. Very, very strong on fundamentals. I learned a lot from him, things I use still to this day. Uh, and then just, you know, uh, you just have to be a sponge. You know, I just would go to anywhere, any place, anytime, play, try to learn. Uh, and that's how, I, you know, I developed just, just a passion for basketball. When you were growing up, who were some of the local players that you looked up to? And also, um, I know you just mentioned the, your um, JV coach, but were there any other coaches that had a big um, influence on you? Uh Answering your first question, I was a and still am a huge Daryl Griffith fan. Uh, loved Griff. Uh, I think he's one of the most underrated players. Uh, people just if he would have went to a different market besides Utah, uh, if he would have went to Chicago or New York or something like that, I, I think he would have been. You know, we've been talking about him as one of the you know the tops all time in the NBA. And he, you know, he had some injuries, but he was just an unbelievable talent. And and so I loved Griff. Loved Griff. Um, Julius Irving, I'm a huge Dr. J fan. Before I die, Cameron, I'm going to meet Dr. J. So if anybody <laughs> out there knows Dr. J, hook me up. Me and our girls coach, Michael Black, are going to meet 
true serving. Um, but a coach who really, uh, really got me and I learned a lot from was Dale Mabry. I mean, you know, uh, Dale was the assistant coach when I uh, was playing here my senior year. Uh, and then uh, because of my love of basketball, he had a love for basketball. We just kind of came together and, you know, he taught me things about being a coach, you know, how to act, how to do things, um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things lacking on our game right now. Young people don't learn how to be a coach. Mm. They, they, they know the sport, but they don't know how to be a coach. And there's a lot that goes to it, taking care of your equipment, you know, talking to kids, handling kids, handling situations. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot that goes into it that people don't realize. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was your playing experience like in high school? Then afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> we could sum all that up real quick. This would be the quickest part of it. Uh, you know, I was a role player in high school. I wasn't a great player. Loved it. I went to St. Catharines Junior College, played a little bit there, very little. Um, uh, just, just, you know, just because I loved it. Um, but I played for PRP. I played at Shawnee, started at both places. Um, but you know, again, I wasn't, a, I wasn't by no means a very good player. I mean, I was just average, not even average. I was below average. You know, I was a starter, but that was it. Nothing major. Gotcha. Um, so when did, when did it first click in your, in your mind that you, you potentially wanted to coach? Back when I was in high school and when I went to college, right when I went to college, they would have to, you, the coaches in Jefferson County, they said, well, you can't, you can't coach your team in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So Dale would have me coach our high school team in the summertime. And they play, you know, schedule and everything else. And I, I just loved it, you know, and then I knew, I knew pretty early on just because I really wasn't good at anything else. I wasn't really good at basketball, but I loved it. So I just, I just, you know, that was my thing. That was my niche, you know, just, just doing basketball. What age were you when you, when you first started to coach? Oh man. Well, I, the first time I ever coached, I coached when I was a sophomore in high school, they had the thing called core basketball here at PRP. And it was the, the eighth grade, the middle school was in the high school then. And so I coached a team when I was in a, in a sophomore in high school. And again, I just loved it. You know, it was just being an extension of the game, you know? Yeah. Um, Tell me about so once you once you know that you want to pursue the coaching path, um, was it always at um, PRP or was it at was it at other places? I've coached here for forty years. Oh, uh, wow, you know, yeah. And so the only time I ever coached anywhere else, and I was still coaching here, my daughter uh, got into coaching. Well, she it was a long story, but anyway, she coached at a at Christian Academy in Indiana. And she was going to be the assistant. And then the guy that was going to be the head coach had some issues and he didn't get to coach. So my daughter, they asked her to take over. So I was over there and I was her assistant for one year over in Indiana while I was coaching the PRP. So I would coach varsity basketball, get in the car. My wife and I would drive to Indiana, get a cup of coffee on the way, get out of the car and go in to work with the eighth grade girls. Wow. So, so, yeah. So you grew up in that PRP Grew up right down the street. Yeah, right down the street from PRP. Uh, been here my whole life. Uh, retired. And our principal is a lady named Sherry Duff. Uh, she got hired here and is one of the most phenomenal human beings I've ever met. Um, we talked one day and I got in the car with my wife. I said, I'm going to go back to work. She goes, you're kidding me. And I was like, no. I said, I, I just believe in this woman so much that, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to PRP and work. And, and I've, all my friends are here, you know, like I've got great friends here. 
PRP is such a special place. It's like a family environment. And, uh, you know, and, and it's just a great place to be. But, yeah, I'm one of the idiots that came out of retirement. <laughs> wow, so that's crazy. So you've grown up in that area. You played there. And, you know, and Went to school here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah everything, everything. That's rare. You don't see many, many things like that. What is it like? I know you said your friends and like you have there's family ties. But is there anything deeper that has kept you at that area? You know, so uh, you know, the, the school itself. I mean, you know, people say like it's but like our, one of our baseball coaches, he was here for like. 39 years, 30 something years, maybe 40. Uh, Mike Baxter, who's one of our other assistants, me and Mike have been here. Mike is, this will be his 39th year, my 40th year. Uh, you know, Dale stayed here forever. Uh, it's just, it's a unique place where, because it's so family oriented, like people just come here and they stay. And, and again, I've, we've had great principals. Charlie Miller was our first principal. One of the greatest men I've ever met in my life. Uh, Dave Johnson, uh, a good friend of mine was your principal. You know, we've had good people and Sherry is, she's just taken that family atmosphere and it, she just built, I mean, it's just amazing. If you met her, you'd see why I came back. <laughs> right. Yeah. And as you were talking that, that did make me think, cause I, when I was playing high school ball and, you know, there were certain coaches in the community that were known as being that one school's coach for so long, like even when they came back and visited high school games. So I wonder, you know, back then, if that was a culture of, you know, you knew that coach that had coached at, you know, so-and-so for 20 years and he was just known as that community guy and everyone loved him. And like a mind that a person that's coming to my mind now, his name is, um, um, his last name was Roach. He, he, he coached down here in Lexington. Um, ST Roach. ST Roach. Yeah. 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 And so he was, he was known as one of the community members that had coached at a, I think it was Dunbar. At Dunbar. For, you know, yeah, sure. Many, many mm -hmm. years. So, yeah. So that must be part of the culture that was that was going on back then that you kind of grown up into. But, you know, and back then, you know, people people didn't switch jobs a lot, you know, and people did. They would coach for, you know, maybe 20 years at a school and stuff like that. And now I believe part of it is just that everybody wants that instant gratification, that instant, you know, uh, win. You know, they want the coach to win right away and they're ready to get rid of him. And he wants instant gratification. He's ready to move on to the next thing. And, you know, honestly, you know, um, I've had opportunities to go to college, coach, to coaching college on several occasions, but this is just me, man, you know, and, I, and I'm a, I tell people when they talk about switching jobs, I'm not the guy to talk to, you know, because I, you know, I, I, I'm like this, I've never, I've never chased happiness. I've never chased money. You know, I, I'm happy here. Why would I leave? Why would I go somewhere else to be happy if I'm happy here? Right. And money's never been a motivator to me. So I've always, this is just home to me. You know, I just love the place. When you said that coach taught you how to coach, what were some of those things that he taught you about being a coach? You know, it's, there's, um, you know, the thing is, it's things people don't realize. Like I said, like you, how to take care of your equipment, you know, to be on time to, to, uh, you know, have a standard of, 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 um, you know, holding kids to a standard, you know, everybody nowadays, it's like kids have changed. Kids have not changed. Kids will respond to what, you know, what you put in front of them. You know, if you, if you have a, a standard of excellence, the kids will rise to it. You know, it, it's people that, that, you know, again, they want to just make everything easy and quick. You know, we, our kids clean our locker room. You know, that's one of the things they do. They keep the locker room clean. Mm -hmm. You know, they take out the trash and everything. I, they, they all get a little group and that's what they do. Now, you know, I run the vacuum cleaner most of the time because Lord knows what they would suck up in it. But, you know, but I, you know, 
but I, I take care of that and stuff like that. But I just think it's a thing. It's a, it gives them an ownership and a sense of pride. You know, you take care of your equipment. You know, you don't just leave it laying around. You take care of You make sure you got your basketball. You make sure before you leave, the locker room is cleaned up. You know, if you're in somebody else's locker room, you it looks better. It's good or better than it did when you walked in. And that's that's something that I think that college, you know that you know I learned from Dale was just things like that nature of that nature. Yeah, it's like the little the little details behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And and what I love about that is like all those little details and things carry on into life. You know, I think that's one of the most oh, amen. things. Most of one, one, that's the reason why I started this podcast is to talk about how those kind of uh, life lessons intersect with the game. Even something as simple as we're going to clean the locker room. And there's a yeah. quote that people always say is like, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. Like I'm sure you right. guys have probably said that many times to your players. Yes. 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 You, you know, and, and I agree. And, you know, there's a lot of things, again, just having the responsibility, you know, I tell the guys all the time, man, you know, be on time. You're going to be at work one day. Somebody's going to get fired and it's not going to be you because you were on time, but they don't, they don't have that self-discipline to be on time. And it, it's just, you know, little things like that, like you said, keeping things clean, picking up after yourself, you know, uh, giving your best effort. You know, you, you can't cheat sports. You know, you, you've got it. You know, there are people that are enormously talented. And there are people in the world that are extremely intelligent that can do things other people can't do. But there are also people that just grind. And those guys are going to survive and they're going to make a living. Yeah. So I want to ask this question. So obviously you have a love for the game and a love for what you do. And I want to I want to take you back to when you first started coaching and you're a young guy. You just finished playing a couple of years at St. Catherine. Um, was there anything early on that made you potentially doubt this route that you had chosen? You know, it's funny um, when you first start coaching, you think, you know, everything. <laughs> I mean, like like you think everybody else is just dumb. They don't know anything. And then about two years into it, you're like thinking, I don't know anything. I'm dumb. I don't know anything I'm doing. And it's, you know, like we, even to this day, 40 years, Mike, our assistant, 39 years, we've been together forever. And there's days, man, we'll come in. We're like, Oh my gosh, man, what are we doing? You know? And, and, but you know, it's, it's a, no, because I just loved it. You know, I loved it. I never thought I would do anything else. You know, I just, I loved basketball and I love being around the kids. I love the kids. People talk about a lot of things, man. To me, the greatest thing, from sports is the relationships that you build more than wins, losses, anything else. It is, is the relationship you build with the kids, you know, and they, and they keep you young. You know, the kids are so full of energy and everything. It just keeps you young as a, as a, as a person, you know, young people. That's one of the things I love about being in school. Yeah. And I, and I bet that made you feel real good when, you know, Sean Bronner, like he called me out of nowhere and was like, I really want you to talk to coach. And I, I believe he'd be a great one because he has so much wisdom and knowledge and, both both Sean and Phil said that you were the best coach that they ever played for. Like you were by far their favorite coach. And Sean speaks about how like you keep everybody involved. You're doing the Facebook, you're you're posting people's birthdays, life events. And he yeah. and I I called Sean yesterday. I was like, what 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 makes him the best coach that you ever said? I mean that you ever had. And he said it is that relationship factor. And like he outside of the X's X's and O's, he said he feels like you really care for for players as people. And I think that was so important. Like I went to Bryan station and, you know, we were a bunch of inner city kids and I really felt like our coach, like 
cared about us in high school. You know, he 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 bought like a 15 passenger van to pick guys up, take them to practice, had our names on the back of the jerseys and stuff like that. But even outside of that, like after I graduated, I would just go up to his classroom and he'd give me a ride home. We just talk about life. You know, when I went through a hard time in high school, he was the first person that came to my parents' house to make sure I was okay. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I know I just kind of went on a tangent there, but I, I, no, I, no, brother. I love that you spoke about that relationship aspect, especially with kids and, and kind of how, like, even though people may say kids have changed, uh, maybe they've evolved a little bit, but you know, how, how have you seen like your relationship deepen with kids as they, as they have come and gone within the program? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a unique thing, I guess. Uh, you know, my mother was a very physical person. So I tell all, I, if you've played for us, you've been hugged by me and I've told you, I love you. I can tell you that. Yeah. So, and, and until this day, you know, like our, we've got, I, I call them kids, but like they're 50 something years old, but I right. still look at them like they're 18 years old. I still get a text or a phone call every single day. And there's a lot of things, you know, like I said, money's never motivated me, but man, when you get a message from a kid and you know that you've, you know, that they, they genuinely care about you because you genuinely care about them. There's nothing better in the world, you know? Yeah. And I've got, you know, I mean, there's, they're, they're, they're like sons to my wife and I, you know, my wife's been with me the whole way, my wife, Robert, and they're all like kids to us. And they look at her, you know, the same way. And a lot of the kids that we've had, you know, may have not had a, a male role model in their life or a, or a father figure. And, um, and, you know, I don't, I don't, but, you know, then it makes you feel good when they look at you in that manner, you know, because I, I think, you know, you, you obviously if we didn't win. We wouldn't we wouldn't have been here. But in the same breath, you know, the thing about it is is doing what's right with the kids. And I tell I tell the parents where, you know, when they come to a game, they're looking at one kid on that bench. And that's it. You know, we I have to be like a family where I have to do what's best for all of us, you know, right. and. You know, and I tell the kids that sometimes, you know, I mean, it's, it's, and it's not all of it. Everybody don't have to be a star. Everybody don't have to be a great player. You can contribute, you know, your time will come, you know, and I, but I love the kids, man. I always have. And they'll tell you, you know, if, if you, you talk to one of our kids, man, they know, they know. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so transitioning to some of the X's and O's conversation of a coach. So Sean also said that you are like a defensive mastermind. And, and, and he said that, uh, you know, the way you guys would do defense and the help would have to be, he, he just said like you guys, y'all's defense was very detailed. Like you had to be in the right spot. You had to be in the gaps for it to work. What does like for a coach, right? What does that um, professional development look like for a coach? Is it reading books? Is it seminars? Is it talking to other coaches? What does it look like to get better at, at the game as a coach? You know, when I was a young coach, uh, myself and Mike, um, there were people that I felt like were great coaches um, in our state. Uh, you know, um, Danny Haney at Lexington Catholic, mm -hmm. Bobby Keith at Clay County, uh, Alan Hatcher at Marshall County, Graves County, wherever. Um, you know, those were guys that, that I would study and watch how they did things. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't play the style that Clay County played but there were things that they did that I really admired. And the same thing was true with, with Danny Haney. Like we played similarly, but it was different, you know, little differences, but you know, I just, we, we would go and watch them compare notes, write things down. I like this. I don't like that. And I believe that's another thing. 
like scouting to me, if you're going to be a good, if you want to be a good coach, scout, you know, and talk to other coaches. We had a coach here, a guy that coached football named Ron, Ron Madrick, and he was great about dealing with kids. And uh, when I was a young coach, I would go sit down and, and talk to him. Now he coached football and I believe this, I know nothing about football, but I would, I would go talk to him because he knew how to handle kids. You know, he was really good about that. And just, just people like that. I think if you want to learn to coach, you know, you've just got to go watch good people, you know? Yeah. Um, this is another question regarding player development. So mm-hmm. you have a, you have a kid that's a freshman that walks into the gym. Right. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how you guys do the tryouts or whatever, but you see that a kid has a lot of potential. Um, what, what goes into player development at PRP? Like, how do you approach that? Is it based upon the system that you guys run? Is it based upon the potential skill set the player could have? Like, what does it look like for a player to get better in four years playing for you guys? You know, it's, it's tough because that's a tough question because, you know, if a kid comes in and they've got potential, you know, I, I think we, one of the things that we've done, and Sean's right, I mean, we spend a ton of time on defense. We Just being able to just move your feet. We spend months, I mean, months, just move your feet, how to move your feet, how to open, don't open too much, how to slide, where to be, you know, where to read things, you know, how to what you're looking for. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it, like individually, uh, just, you know, we judge, like we're looking like this kid's weak at this area and we'll try to spend time. You know, we shoot a lot, but, you know, if you're not a good ball, we try to work on your ball handling. We try to do the things to make you better. And my whole thing I tell them all the time is getting to college, you know, get to college. Doesn't have, And I'm not a everybody D. I'm like, you get to college because if you can get a degree, you can change your life. Yeah. And I tell them all, once you get to college, forget worrying about starting. Just play enough. They don't run you home. You know, <laughs> you just you just make sure you can get on the floor enough. They keep you get to keep going to school. Right. And then once school is over, then you, you know. But that, that, that's the big key, but you know, the kids and we adapt our, our style to uh, the kids we have, you know, if we've got a bunch of kids that can shoot, you know, we're going to do something different. If we, if we've got a lot of speed and quickness, we're going to, you know, press a different way. Uh, you know, if we've got a big kid, we're going to get the ball to him, you know? So, you know, the way, and the way we develop them is just looking at what they need to, to get better at. We just try to incorporate that in our practice every day. Yeah. When I, as soon as I asked that question, I was like, you know what, a lot of, what gets a lot of what makes a player better is the time he spends out outside of the game um, by himself on the skills. Like, oh man, amen, amen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause like, um, I remember when <clears throat> I was in high school, a lot of our assistant coaches would run Saturday and Sunday morning workouts and they weren't, mm-hmm. you didn't, you didn't have to come to them, but, um, and it was a lot of like individual instruction, like a, a lot of cones, chairs, screens, yes. flares, mm-hmm. dribbling drills, one-on-one drills. And I believe, like, we were such a tight-knit group because, like, six or seven of us were always there no matter what. And right. um, and I believe, like, I was I was kind of like you. Like, my, my best friend, he was one of those kids in middle school that he made a team as a sixth grader. And so, for some reason, I was like, you know what, he's really good, and I kind of want to be good like him. And he makes playing basketball kind of cool. Cause I played football and baseball growing up and then I fell in love with basketball through my best friend. And through that, like we just had like a tight knit group of us that were always working out together. And we all went and played college mm-hmm. basketball. And this was around the 2000, 
2005 to 2009 range. So I played with like Shelvin Mack and Jerron Jones. I don't know if you yeah. remember those guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Brian Station. Played Brian Station. Yeah. Yep. So I was I was in that. Group. So you were with Champ. Champ was your coach. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Champ's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's guy. a great guy. I'm. I'm a. Yeah. I'm real happy to see him back. Back at Brian. I know it. I didn't think he would come back, man, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and I and through those like morning instructions i got so much better as a player because i you know i didn't have to be there but i wanted to be there right and then, right and then the coaches also like they would take us out to like golden corral after that you know we used to love that we go and eat as much breakfast as we can um so it was really that family atmosphere and the time that we put in to get to get better as players um something else that sean mentioned as well and i i want to hear you talk about but he said you're a man of faith can you can you can you talk about your faith, how it developed, and also like how you carry that into the mission of being a coach? You know, um, it's kind of odd uh, when the the guy that was my JV coach, Joe Burks, uh, he was an assistant principal here. But one day, and this is going to sound crazy, and you know, it's one of those testimonies everybody's going to remember. So you know, I'd always been like we were. My family was Catholic growing up. We didn't go to church a lot or anything like that. I was baptized when I was little, but, you know, really didn't understand it, but I always believed in God. So one day I was leaving our school and I turned on Terry Road, which is right up the street from school. And something just came to me and just said, you need to go to church. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was, it was just clear as day. So I went home, thought about it. And, I, and that weekend, my, my sister was moving. So my brother and I are in the truck or driving out Hikes Lane. And uh, there's this building over. I said, what's that building over? And he said, Southeast Christian Church. It's so big mm-hmm. that they have Easter Sunday at Freedom Hall. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty crazy. So I come to school Monday and Joe Burks is out. We're doing parking lot duty. And uh, I said something to him. And he said, well, that's my church. He said, why don't you come? I was like, all right. So I went to church that Sunday with him. And it was like there was probably I mean, 2,000 people there. And it was like Bob Russell just said, I'm glad everybody came today, but I'm going to talk to the guy sitting right up there. And it was like he was talking to me my whole life. Yeah. You know, I like was just laying it out there and it changed my life. I'd never heard anybody preach like that. And from there, my faith just grew. My wife, you know, is a, a very strong believer. My daughter is very strongly. My son-in-law is very active in our church uh, with the youth. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, then, you know, this, if you're, you're a Christian, I mean, you know, you, and you, when you, it helps you understand life. And, you know, when you're talking to kids, I think they need to hear that. And I'm, I'm not one of those guys that come up and beat you over the head. I just try to live my life in a manner that, you know, that, you know, I hope that people can look at me and say, he's a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. that guy's a Christian man. You know, I don't use profanity. Sean, and I told you that yeah. now the kids tell me, they said, do the only person I know I can cuss somebody out. Never said cuss. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but you know, and, and just things like that, you know, and, and, and the kids have, you know, they've always responded to, to that and, you know, and I, I don't get on them, but they, they just don't use as much profanity in, in my presence. And I, you know, I don't tell them like, hey, you know, we're not going to use profanity because, you know, but I mean, that's that's kind of my walk. And that's kind of, you know, what we do. And we've been blessed to have a lot of kids here that that have, you know, Phil's went into the ministry. Uh, Matt Morris, who's got one of the biggest and fastest growing churches in Louisville, played for us. Uh, and he's a great role model, one of my one of my idols. Um but you know, it's it's been a it's been a blessing, and I think it helped me as a coach. Yeah, you feel like it helped you as a coach because you are you are able to actively live out your faith through the game and being able to pour your love for you know for Christ back into the 
back into the kids, you know, as a, as a ministry, you know, did you, did you, did you see it as that? Well, I mean, when I first, it, it kept me from going crazy because I would, you know, my, I would want to just, ah, you know, yeah. and so it kind of, you know, I had to, because when I, when I stopped, just I had to slow my, my thought process. Cause you know, when you're upset, you just blah, anything you want to say. So it made me think before I spoke, which was good. Um, but it does, you know, like I can see kids and we've, I've had kids come up and talk to me, you know, like, Hey coach, I had a boy, uh, riding him home and he was talking about reading the Bible. Well, where are you going to church? And he goes, I don't go to church. I just got this app. So I was like, well, why don't you come to church with me? You know, and so he came to church with me. Um, but it just, you know, being able to give back, and, that, and that's something that you can, you know, it's an eternal gift, you know, and being able to give that to, to a young man is, is an amazing thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, like, you know, probably now more than ever, you know, the, the community needs positive role models that are going to speak that truth to them. Because um, if they're not getting it, you know, I know from experience, being a player and growing up in certain areas and stuff like if we're not hearing it from you know the people that we're around every day like our coach like and we're not probably hearing it from anyone else and like you said that wisdom kept me out of a lot of situations oh yeah and it does you know because you know you when you coach and you know this you played on a team you come across all walks of life as yeah. far as on your team and and our team is very close-knit always has been um, you know, you can see a kid that's playing now and he might know one of the he more than likely going to know one of the guys that played in the seventies, you know, cause we're just very close. Uh, but you know, given them seeing that role model, because it, some of them at home don't see that type of thing, you know, they don't see a role model in their neighborhood that's trying to do the right thing. You know, their role models in the neighborhood might be somebody doing something negative. And so I believe that it does help, you know, it reinforces a lot of times, maybe what mom is trying to tell them, you know, but because, you know, we do basketball. It's it's a platform that people will listen and pay attention to what your, your actions and your words and then trying to live out that in a, in a tough situation, you know, because when you lose, it's an emotional situation. Yeah. And, and and there are things that when you when you're upset to try to control your emotions is, you know, I think that helps some of them. Yeah, so, that definitely does help when uh, I remember when I came to Christ and just playing basketball and stuff, it, it, it does help you manage your emotions because it does make you slow down. And oh, yeah. That. Yes. I shouldn't say that. Probably shouldn't react like that. That's like, yeah. the, that's like yeah. the ultimate test of your faith because within the game, you're always reacting. <laughs> oh, amen. Amen. So yeah, man. Emotional. You know, so if you ever want to yeah. put your faith to the test. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect oh, yeah. It, you better believe it is. And, <laughs> and, you know, like you were talking about, I've coached forever. So, you know, I was when I was coaching, you know, using profanity, in a coaching setting was very, very common, very common. Yeah. And when I first started coaching, you know, I'm not, you know, I was, I was, woo, I was bad, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, cause that was what I thought was normal, you know? And so then I just decided one day and, and it was, a, and it was a personal thing with me because of my mentality. Like if I, somebody said they were a Christian and I would hear them use profanity, I'd be, ah, oh, there's that chink, you know, you're not really what you say you are. So I didn't want someone else to stumble and see me in my walk. You know, and I tell them, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and get on you. I know some of my friends that are very strong Christians that, you know, they, they might cut, you know, cut one loose every now and then. But, but I just felt like, you know, for me, knowing that was a stumbling block for me when I was not strong in my faith, I didn't want it to make someone else stumble. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to, I want to get you thinking some more. And uh, this is, this is two questions. So the first question is, you know, what is, what is your, 
your best achievement that comes to mind as a coach? And it can be, you know, from the basketball standpoint or from the personal standpoint with a student, but then also what has been in your biggest disappointment and how did you like bounce back from that? The biggest achievement would just be the kids, you know, the relationships that you have with the kids. To me, you know, and, you know, we've done some amazing things in our coaching career here that, that I dreamed about when I was first starting, you know, when I was a kid, I dreamed about being a part of the McDonald's all American game or whatever, you know, and have achieved it. But none of that means the relationship with the kids, like there are boys on our team that are literally like, like my son, you know, literally um, that, I mean, I, I treat them just like they're my kid and, and they, you know, the same with me, they treat me like a family member as well, many of them. And that's my greatest achievement is the kids. You know, I mean, I, I can't say enough about them every day. There's not a day goes by that I don't speak to at least one of them, mm-hmm. get a message from them or something uh, from one of the kids. And, and that's my greatest achievement. Greatest disappointment, any loss, any loss, man. I'm a horrible loser. It just, I can't sleep. I, I, I get uh, just a mess, man. And, and, you know, we've lost, we've lost state championship game twice. Yeah. We've lost the regional championship. We won, I think, 14. I think we've lost like, eight or nine of them. They still haunt me. Uh, there's a game in 85. Somebody was talking the other day. We got beaten in district finals by Western. I can still remember the guy hitting the shots. I hate it. Still, that haunts me. So that's my – thanks for bringing it up, by the way. <laughs> uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, those those losses do stick with you. Um, I was just thinking about how, you know, as a player – handling the anxiety that nerves that go into a game in certain situations but talk about like handling those nerves and anxiety as a as a coach you know it's the you're you're in work at school all day and you're you're thinking about the game that night just like the players are so talk about like as a coach handling those nerves and and, and emotions been been then also like how you take that home with you as a coach as well you know i mean i you know, you, you always think about, you know, what's going to go good, what's going to go bad. Um, you know, I always like to think there's something we're going to do that's going to win, you know, going to make us win. You know, that's, that's one of my things. And I try to stay positive about stuff. Um, you know, with the kids, I tell them all the time, say, look, man, you know, win or lose, we're still going to be here tomorrow. You know, everybody's going to be healthy. Those are the main things. You know, it's not about, you know, winning is great and everything, but you know, I, and I'm bad about. It. I think I, I, I want more not to lose than I even do to win. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really bad about that. You know, because losing to me is just, oh, it just kills me, man. It just kills me. But you know, like home, uh, like my wife. You know, I mean, obviously she's she's at every game and everything else, so she knows what's going on with me. Sometimes I get a little more quiet at home, probably more irritable at home. Um, but we don't talk a huge amount of basketball at home. My wife and I. Now my daughter coached with us until last year. Uh, on the boys' side, but she just became a counselor, and they don't, Jefferson County can't do both. Um, and But she's right there with me, you know. And sometimes I think she's worse than I am about it. But, uh, but you know, I, I guess that's, you know, the anxiety part of it. I, I mean, I've never gotten over that, you know, of, yeah. of just, you know. Yeah. I don't know if that, if that answers your question, but that's, that's you know, it's, it's just tough. It's tough. I try not to – I try never to let the kids know if I am nervous because I think that – that can inhibit how they play, you know. And once the ball goes up, I'll be honest with you, once the ball goes up, I'm fine. Yeah. It's just getting to that point and play, you know. Just yeah. get me to that point point, let me play. 
Yeah, I love asking coaches that questions because, like, I think – I mean, as as a coach, you're just as nervous about the outcome as of the game as the as the players. Um, I used to think, like – and this, this is when I was young. I used to think, like, well, what does the coach care? I'm the one that's the one out here actually playing. But then once I coached a few times, you know, it's – I. And I think it's one of those things where, like, you you want it so bad, like, for the kids. Like, it's not about yourself. You right. like, you don't want the win for you, for your glory. It's like you want right. it for the kids so bad. And I think, like, when you see someone not play up to their potential that they could have or, um, you know, if they're if they're maybe not in the right spot or maybe they weren't prepared, then, then that kind of falls on you and you kind of take the blame for that. But kind of in those moments and before the game, I just feel like a coach wants it so bad for his players. You know, it's funny you say it. Our kids think that, that we can beat anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think our kids ever worry about it. <laughs> I mean, we're worried about it. Our kids are always like, oh, we're going to kill everybody. We're yeah. going to kill everybody. I'm like, dude, you need to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish that was more like them sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Talk about, like, as a coach, um, there's a lot of sacrifice, you know, that goes into it for for you, but also for your wife as well. Can you, can you talk about when you got married? Like, did you have to have that conversation with your wife of like, this is the route that I'm going to pursue? You know, I might have to spend time away from the family, et cetera. And like, how how has she been very supportive in your in your life through that? So my wife and I met when I was I played for I played for PRP my first two years and I was bused to Shawnee. And then I came back to PRP and my wife and I met at Shawnee. So she knew how I was about basketball. And there was a, an opportunity I had one time at the college level and we went met with them and everything. And I, and I accepted the job and we were driving back and I said something to her. And she said, look, I knew what I was getting into when I married you. Mm -hmm. And then on the way back, I changed my mind and called the guy and was like, I, I can't do it. I can't leave PRP. Um, now my wife has been the best man. My daughter, my son, my son-in-law actually played for us, played varsity for three years and started for three years. Yeah. Um, but you know, my, my wife has kept book rank concession stand, uh, you know, cleaned up somebody getting sick on a bus, uh, you know, to help the kids get better at our house. When I bring brought kids home and everything, it was never like, you know, we don't have enough or, you know, we can't do this. It was like, let me make a bed for them. Let me make some food for them. Let me, you know, get them, get them ready. She's never had a qualm. If I'm like, we're going to buy this kid's shoes, we're going to buy this for him. She's never said no. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife is one of the greatest blessings I've ever had in my life. Uh, and she she has the same passion for kids that I do. My daughter's the same way. You know, she's, you know, forever. She thought these kids on the team were literally her. She was, you know, so young. She thought they were literally her brother. She didn't know any better. You know, she even went to school one time and, and told somebody that she had a, a they were it was sibling day. My wife called me and she was like, she went to school and she was like, did your this teacher goes, I've known you all for a while. Did your husband have children before married before you? And I was like, no. She said, well, did he have a kid? I was like, no, why? She said, well, Maddie said that uh, she that she has a brother and he's bigger than her dad and he's brown. And Maddie was like, she was like, no, that's one of the players. He's just yeah. right at our house all the time. She thinks it's really her brother. Right. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. So that's, you know, I mean, so we've, we've always, you know, my daughter, uh, matter of fact, one of our kids who graduated last year that went to Vincennes, the college coach was messaging me and I said, look, man, my daughter is like his adopted mother. I said, mm -hmm. you call her, she'll get it straight. You know, so it, she gets on him and keeps me. 
he talks to her about once a week, you know, still. Yeah. So, you know, the, our family, they knew, we all knew, they knew what they was getting into when they had, you know, when I, when I came around there. Yeah. That's nice that uh, you uh, threw out the Vincennes. I, I had that coach on here a few, a few weeks ago, coach, coach uh, Todd Franklin. Yeah. So yeah, he was a great one. Um, Yeah. I know, I know behind a coach takes a, takes a strong wife uh, to be a part of that mission. Oh man. With yes. you as well. I mean, you have to have a partner that understands and is willing to. A lot of late nights, man. A lot of travel. Um, you know, not being home, uh, coming in like I said, irritable sometimes, quiet, um, crazy, crazy schedules, crazy eating, crazy meals. You know, um, I, like I said, my wife and my daughter could run a clock when she could barely see over the table. <laughs> when she was, I mean, when she was a little bitty, she would run a clock for the varsity summer leagues. My wife has kept clock, kept book, ran concession stands. My daughter's done all the same things. Um, so I'm blessed because, you know, you see a lot of coaches who's why they end up divorced because their wives just didn't know what they were getting into, you know? Yeah. But, That's, yeah. That is, uh, it is part of it. So Sean said that there is a potential you could have went to Marquette. Is that true to coach? No, 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 no. No, the, the largest school was Western Kentucky. Okay. Western Kentucky. Yeah. And probably thought Marquette because Tom Cream was involved at Western at the time and they had offered me a situation to go there. And, uh, you know, I thought about it a little bit and then, you know, I mean, here I am a PRP, you know, I mean, I, again, you know, my whole thing was, and I tell everybody this, you know, don't, what you want is not money, fame, or you want happiness. Happiness is the main thing. If you're happy, the rest is irrelevant, you know, and I was, I've always been happy here. You know, like I said, I've worked for great people. Uh, my friends are here, you know, it's a family and why would I leave and go somewhere else? You know, I might make a little more money or do something else, but what if I get there and it's, it's not, I'm not happy, you know? I mean, so that's, that's been my, and I've told my daughter that you can ask her. I mean, I've always, you make a decision based on, you know, if you're happy, that's what it is. It's what it's all about. You know, don't worry about money or nothing else. I'm kind of obsessed with this topic of like, defining your own personal success and not like because like you said earlier everyone wants to get to that next level it seems like you know everyone that would be a coach's ultimate dream of like being at the division one level especially starting out from high school and that would be like the ultimate pinnacle for some people um mm -hmm. but for you to say like i'm happy here and i'm willing to like this is this is my this is my calling here at prp yes you know Yes. The place that you've been, you played there, you've been there for, you know, over 40 years and not just jumping. Like, I love that you said that because um, I'm, I'm young in my life and career. I'm only 31. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm battling of like reaching for success, but also realizing like I have a wife and kids and like what is actually going to make us happy and actually like be beneficial, if, if that makes sense. You know, I, my son-in-law was joking about this. You know, I, I've, again, I've in, if you've seen my car, I joke about our girls coach all the time. He drives a uh, Mercedes. Mm -hmm. And so I drive a 03 Honda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I always mess with him about that. Um, but, you know, I feel like God has always provided for me. Whenever I've needed something financially or something, it's like the good Lord has always provided some way for money to come towards me, you know, mm -hmm. if I might have to work for it, you know, but I mean, which is, again, I don't mind that God has always provided for me. And my biggest thing, like I said, and, and I know people seem to think it's crazy sometimes 
but I tell them all, man, base, base it on happiness, man. You know, I, I don't understand people that leave a situation where they're happy and everything. And everybody goes, well, you know, you've got to, you can't just be content. You know, you got to, you got to keep striving to be better. Well, again, what, what is, what is success to you? You know, is success. Do you think coaching at division one, you coach at the division one level, you're still going to have the same things. You're going to have to coddle to more kids. You're going to have more pressures, more things, more apt to be fired. You know, you know, coach gets head coach gets fired. You're fired. You may do the best job or you're fired. Now you got to go find another job. You got to climb the ladder, move to other places, leave, leave your friends, leave your family for what? I mean, you know, money. I mean, you know, just because you're a division one coach, a friend of mine told me this one time, he said, you know, he had left coaching and he became assistant principal. And I was like, dude, I mean, why would you do that? You know, you had a good job. He said, well, when I wrote on my electric bill one time, I'd won 400 games and they cut my electric off. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, yeah. So, and I always thought about that, you know, but just, just being, you know, being here, I just, and I do feel like this is where God wants me to be. You know, I had a a crossroads in my life uh, a few years back and I, I just said, you know, Lord, if you want me to do this, you know, let me know. And when I was in church, I felt like good Lord said, this is where I want you. This is why things happen the way they did. This is where I want you to be at. And so I just, you know, keep going. Lord, when I, people ask me all the time because I've been here so long, they say, when are you going to quit? And I said, you know, Lord, let me know. I'll know, you know, I'll know. Yeah. Um, what was that McDonald's experience like as a, as a coach? And when, and when, and when you all as a coaching staff got that call to be the coach of that game? Uh, well, the funny thing is about the game. So, you know, they used to do that. Everybody was a McDonald's All-American nominee. You know how that was. Yeah, yeah. So there was a message in Dale's box. And I just took it over practice there. I mean, this is from somebody from McDonald's or something. So he went downstairs, and called it, and he came up and said, we're going to coach McDonald's all state Arsenal game. I was like, well, cool. So that was it. That was our big thing. And they said, well, you can't tell anybody until the team's announced. So, you know, but again, you know, whatever. And then doing it was one of the most unbelievable. You know, when you're – like when you win a state championship or you win a regional, it's so pressure packed that you really can't enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like you can't enjoy it while you're experiencing it. So, but the McDonald's game, you could, you know, like you could, you could really experience it. It's the most amazing, anything that's, it's the best of the best. It's the best players, the best gear, the best people, the best, there's a room of food. It's it's Starbucks. It's the, there's a chef. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, you can't, you go places, uh, they, they've got security, just parts everybody for you. Yeah. You know I mean? They just, you know, nobody, I remember there was a group of girls that came running towards the guys. And I mean, that quick, there was a wall of security. I mean, like <laughs> nobody could touch them. I mean, it was amazing. Nobody touched us. Right. You know? And then I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, so I'm, a, I'm trying to hold the door for the people and they're like, dude, you, you're not supposed to do that. You're one of the coaches. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about, man? I mean, I can hold the door for you. Right. You know, and he said, well, we're not supposed to walk through it. And I'm like, dude, walk through the door, man. God dang, man. You know, but, uh, but it was, a, it was a great experience, man. I mean, you know, we had, we had Alonzo Ball, uh, Josh Jackson, um, uh, Jared Allen. Uh, that was some of the you know guys we had. Bam was on the other team. Uh, they had a nice team too. The Fultz kid, it was number one in the draft was on the other team, wow. but we won, by the way, I just want you to know that our team won. <laughs> So that that would have haunted me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was what 2016? 2016. Yeah, 2016. man. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great, it was great. Amazing experience. Amazing experience. That's awesome. 
Um, Coach, so like I said, this is between the game and life. Um, what are some of the biggest lessons from the game that you that you think you try to pass on to the kids? You know, just life lessons. Um, you know, like you get it, you get out of it what you put into it. You know, like you you if you want to be good, you've got to work. You know, hard work. You know, giving more than just the average person. Um, you know, I try to tell them all the time. You know, like hard work can overcome a lot of a lot of adversity, a lot of things. You know, doing the right thing. You know, sometimes doing the right thing isn't isn't always popular. But you know, if you do the right thing, it's it's you know, you do the bad, you do something wrong or cheat, it's gonna it's gonna come back to haunt you in the end. And if you do the right thing, you know, you can lay your head on the pillow at night and, and know you, you know, you did what you were supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I joke with the kids, you know, because I, I, I do handyman work and stuff. So I'll, you know, I'll show them something. I say, see, man, you don't get that other places, man. You don't get that at this school or that school. You know, yeah. you don't learn how, you don't learn how to fix a doorknob there, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how to pump up basketball. Yeah. You know, we sweep the floor, you know, I get on them, you know, you don't get it. You don't learn how to mop. Like, when I was a young kid, man, I worked for Metro Parks and it's, we're mopping this big room and I'm out there just slopping around. This dude comes to look, man. You don't know how to mop a floor. I'm like, man, you just He's like, so he shows me. So when the kids are around, I say, look, man, this is how you mop a floor. I'm going to show you this. You never know when this will come in handy. I show them how to mop a floor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, talk about how, like, and this, this this also coordinates with life as well, but going back to your defensive scheme and the, the attention, mm -hmm. the attention to detail, right? And what I think and what I've been learning about life is, like, life is very – detailed and like your habits and everything you do day to day the most mundane task right is a detail that can either help you or hurt you or harm you so do, do you ever try to communicate that to the kids as well as just like the finer details of life like you know i think what you just said is true you know the, everything is in the details you know you you watch somebody do a drill and i tell them i say you know it's this little, it's stepping at this right place. That's, that's the, the, you know, like you're looking at this whole thing, but the big thing is, is dropping your hips, you know, drop your hips, make sure your foot is here, make sure your foot's pointed this direction. This is how you're going to move. Make sure that when you open up that you're swinging your arms, that's going to help you get more, generate more. It's a small little bitty things, you know, that's, that's where, it, you know, it all comes back to. And then, you know, you said this, and this is the most, Kids get so bored with repetition, but repetition is what makes you great. I mean, you're doing the same thing over and over again. You know, it's tough getting up and going to work every day. It's tough. But, you know, it's that repetition of doing it, of doing it, of doing it, of doing it. You know, I tell our guys, you know, I, you, as a coach, I think now, you know, you have to you have to do the same thing, but do it differently. You know, so we'll work on something. We'll do the same thing. To, we'll work on the same thing tomorrow, but they don't realize it because it's another difference. We change the drill a little bit. But, you know, I tell them all the time, like Kobe would do one move for an hour, you know, an hour. This is a great, one of the greatest guys in the world. He's doing the same thing for one hour. And you all get bored with, you know, doing an inside out, you know, four reps, five reps. Yeah. You know, you've got to do it every day, every day, every day. And that's, and that's a big thing, especially, you know, like the kids, all they want to do now is shoot and dribble. Yeah. They don't want, you know, but we spend so much time on defense. And I know that's probably why Sean said that, but, you know, because it's just, because it's not something that comes natural. You know, and you've got to be locked in. You've got to be, your focus has got to be strong. And those things, I think, and you said it, you know, that's, that's, that's what the keys are. It's the little bitty things in life. Those little bitty things will make or break you. And then the repetition of doing the same thing over and over and over again and doing it well, 
you know, doing to the best of your ability. Yeah. I, uh, I went back and spoke to Brian station last summer and I told them like playing at Brian station changed my life because it was in that, it was while I was at Brian station where I learned, like, if you put, if you put time and effort and work ethic into something like there's fruit on the back end of that. Like I Amen. said earlier, like I said earlier, I wasn't, I wasn't a natural basketball player. I played football and baseball growing up, but because mm -hmm. I fell in love with the game and I was willing to, you know, work out outside by myself in the summer, um, doing, like you said, in and out at a chair 20 times. And like, yeah. I never, I never dreamed that I was going to play <clears throat> college basketball. Like, I didn't know that was an option until you kind of just fall in love with the game and then you work at it. And then before you know it, like, you're like, wow, look at all this progress I've made in the last three or four years just by being consistent and showing right. up. And there's right. a lot of guys that were like better than me when I was in high school and middle school that I like surpassed by far, you know what I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. that, but that also like works out into life, like whether it's in the business world or whether it's with your kids, whatever, it's just that, like you said, those consistent daily habits that you repeat, repeat, repeat. That's and doing it right. Yeah. 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 I was, I was, yeah. I was, uh, my son wants, my oldest son wants to try out for middle school basketball this year. So we've been going through some workouts and I'm, I'm teaching him just like even the little details of hand placement and arms when you, when you're doing a crossover, you know, just like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm teaching him like the finer little details of like, if a guy's on your hip, how to bump him off at this yeah. point in time, right here at this spot to shoot the leg. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and it's, it's funny, you know, some kids, things like that come natural and you're always like, you know, golly, you know, and other kids, you know, it, it takes a while to get it, but yeah. I think it's good. Because just what you said, you know, if the whole, you know, like I tell the guys, you know, you're going to have to get, I don't care how good you are. You're going to have to get a real job one day. Yeah. You know, LeBron's going to have a real job. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has a real job. And the, the things that you learn in basketball is teaching you what to do in life. You know, it's teaching you how to handle it. You know, losses are horrible, but you know, it teaches you how to handle a bad situation. You know, it teaches you how to handle something maybe with class where you would want to lash out, you know, there's so many things I think that sports teach people how to work with other people. I think is huge, yeah. you know, how to get along with other people, your people skills, you know, uh, when the boy that went to Vincennes first came to us, he never would talk. He wouldn't look at you. So I made him every day. He had to come in the office and tell me how, and he had to tell me how his day went, something about his day, mm -hmm. you know, and he'd come in, my day was good. And I'm like, no, I want more. Come on, right. give me more. Yeah. And then he, he still was not the most social human being when he left, but he would hug me and he would talk to us and, like he's the one that my daughter was so you know she she kept him going you know she get after him yeah but uh, but you know it's just things like that and I think as a coach that's your, your that's your job you know that's your job is to do those things is to to be able to you know keep him you know keep those kids going yeah and even the accountability of sports is what I love I was thinking about how like in high school or something like that you know it's 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 the day before a game or the the day of a game and the coach walks into the locker room and says so and so can't play tonight they did this at school right. they, yeah. they don't have the yeah. grades and you know the the player has to deal with letting letting the team down at that moment especially yes. if it's a, an important game even if it's not an important yeah. game you let the team down by not being available so how many right. times and how many times have we seen in life like you're married and a guy does something dumb and you let your family down you know what i mean yes. like it all yeah. it all coordinates well you know and that, the accountability of sports you know again I think that's a big thing, you know, and every time, I, I mean, I did this with my own child and I've did it with the kids, 
is, you know, like I would tell them, I, I had a boy the other day that was sleeping in class. And I, and I, you know, I told him, I said, well, you know, I can, you know, what I'll do is I said, I'll take you over to the gym and we'll run everybody on the team. Because we're a team, but we're everybody will run. And I said, so then the next time you want to sleep in class, just make sure you stop them in the hallway and tell everybody, hey, we're going to run today because I couldn't stay awake, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, he didn't really want to hear that. Well, then he, he was sitting there for a while. And so then, I, you know, I told him, I said, do you understand why I'm doing it? What, what's the importance? I said, because, you know, really, I mean, do, if you if you flunk every class here, you know, then, you know, I'm not going to get any more money on my paycheck. They're not going to do anything. And he was like looking at me and I said, you know, it's for you because if you get in college, there's going to be somebody that maybe their coach let them sleep in class. And they're going to flunk out. They're not going to be there, but you're going to be there. You know, you're you're going to already have that self-discipline because of what you had to do here. You'll know how to stay awake in class. Yeah. And, you know, think he's, you know, it's, it's more. Well, you know what? You know, sometimes work's boring. Sometimes doing things is boring in life. But you've yeah. got to learn to fight through those things and do it. Keep doing it no matter what. You know, if it is boring, you still got to do it. You know. Yeah. It's all not going to be, you know, there's not going to be a band of music playing all the time. Let me tell you, you know, you might be on assembly line, you know, I don't know what you would do, yeah. but you know, you still got to do it. You know, you got to make it. Yeah. Um, I love this. I love this conversation. Um, how's the team looking this year? What do you, what are your, what are your thoughts on the upcoming season? You know, I think we'll be good. We lost a lot, you know, um, Vic's gone and then Z decided to go to a prep school, um, which, you know, that's going to be, you know, he was, People talk about being on, I mean, you know, we'll miss him on the floor, obviously. I mean, he's a regional player of the year, but he is one of the finest young men I've ever met in my life. I mean, just a kid who I tell him all the time, I say, you're either going to be the mayor of Louisville or the president of the United States. You just got to make your mind up. Yeah. Um, and that's what I, you know, I miss that the most. But, you know, we've got a great, you know, we've got Keith Robinson back, who I think is one of the best players in the state. Greg Cole is, a, is our point guard. He's back. He's tough as nails. I think he's going to be one of the best players as well. Um, we've got a kid named Malachi Hamilton who didn't get to play this summer because of his knee, and he's grown about an inch or two, and he's a great athlete. And I think he's really going to have a breakout year. And then the other thing is, you know, it's an opportunity for some kids to step up. But, you know, I think we've got enough kids back. They know our system well enough. I think we're going to be fine. You know, the region's – Louisville's always good, and there's always talent, and there's always good teams. And, you know, just trying to be in the hunt every year, I think, is important. Because when you get to tournament time, you know, anybody can get knocked off because there is so many good teams and so many good coaches in Louisville, you know. What, what, um, what's the region for PRP? It's the sixth region. Sixth, sixth region. region. And, the, and, yeah. and the other big region is the seventh region, right? Seventh. Yeah, the seventh. So those are the two big regions in Louisville, sixth and seventh? Yeah, that's the, that's it. We just got the two regions. It's a little split right in half. Gotcha. And, um, you know, like we have, it's – like us, I think, you know, Western's going to be really strong this year. Evangel's going to be really strong this year. DeSales will be really strong this year. Uh, Kevin Gary at Butler does a great job. I mean, he'll have them rolling. Um, you know, there's – and there's always a surprise team somewhere. Uh, you know, um, uh, Jeff Morrow at Iroquois, you know, he's a great coach, does a great job. And then, you know, the seventh, I mean, my gosh, you know, you've got, you know, Ballard, you've got uh, Trinity, you've got St. X, you've got Mayo, you've got – you know, there's just – it's on and on and on over there. Manual, you know, McQuell Coleman does a great job in manual. Yeah. So, you know, great coaches. Do you all play near uh, Lexington this this season? You know, we did last year. Uh, Brandon Salsman, a Catholic, is a really good friend of mine, one of my best friends. And uh, we were going to go back to his tournament. And, you know, we just kind of him hauled around and him and I both and everything. So, so this year we're not probably going to go up there. Uh, we're going to the mountains. Uh, another friend of mine, John Nobles, uh, 
he's the coach at Leslie County now, and he's having an event up there. And we, we, we're going to go up there uh, and play uh, between the Christmas tournaments. Yeah. So, but yeah, we, we usually now in the summertime, we always go to Lexington, mm-hmm. always, always go up there. Yeah. I think that was the only time I played against you guys was in the summertime. Um, I don't think we ever played PRP in the regular season when I was in high school. I think, I think one year you guys came to a defenders of the station invitational kind of around this time. We did. Yeah, we did. I don't sure think did. We played you all. No, uh, I was trying to think, Gosh, Jerron, Jerron and Eric were on Brian Station's team the last time we played them, I believe. Oh, so that was in the 90s. Jerron Brown. Yeah, the 90s. yeah, we played them in Lexington Catholic's tournament. Yeah, we beat them, I think, in the Final Four uh, and then lost to Catholic in the finals at Moore Coliseum, matter of oh, fact. Nice. Yeah, yeah, they did it there one year. Nice. Well, um, maybe maybe when I'm in when I'm in Louisville, I can catch a game and meet you in person. Oh, man. I'd love that. Oh, love it, love it, love it. Make sure just just make sure you do. We'll do lunch or something, man. I'm I'm an eater. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. Well, coach, I appreciate your time. Um, this was this was fun getting to learn more about you and um, you know hear hearing from your mouth what the guys love about you. And so I really appreciate it. And yeah, this is between the game and life. Thanks, coach. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. All right.